You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, today I think is going to be a fun day. Um, There's kind of a lot of news going on, and we'll just touch on a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Kind of a big news day. Um, Can actually never really tell if it's a big news day or if it's just... um, that there's nothing going on, so every time something happens, it's like, whoa. But anyways, there is a bunch of news that I want to touch on. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about, but I do want to touch on all these little newsy items, so why don't we go ahead and start with that, and we'll just, I guess, and see where we end up. So the first thing is, um, and we'll get the non-Packer stuff out of the way first, but it's there is a lot of interesting non-Packer stuff going on right now. Number one, um, there is some talk, apparently, about the... Um, Miami Dolphins owner stepping down, stepping aside. I don't exactly know what the role would be, but I guess if he has to sell the team, there's already a buyer, and that buyer is a man by the name of Bruce Beal. And apparently, according to a different article that I was looking at, uh, it says the NFL requires teams to have a secession plan in place in case the owner dies or decides to sell their franchise. Since 2016, the man with the contractual right to acquire the Dolphins has been Bruce Beal, a New York real estate executive and current Dolphins vice chairman and partner. I didn't even know this was a thing. It's like the vice president. It's like being vice president of a country, and there's no term limits. It's like, I'm just waiting for this guy to die or get fired or something, and uh, yeah, I'm, I, it is my contractual right. If I so choose to, I can just buy this team. And yes, I'll be, I'll be exercising my right. Thank you very much. I guess the, there's two different interesting dynamics here, though. First of all, we have to assume that um, Ross, the owner, is going to sell or be forced to sell or whatever. I guess the first interesting dynamic is um, considering the cost of a team, it's not impossible that you have other people come in. Now, maybe Bruce has the money to put it down himself or however that works. I don't even, I'm not sure what, what options he has, if he has to put it up in cash Im- immediately or what. I'm sure there's other ways to work that out. But there may be some minority owners, you know, kind of like what Aaron Rodgers is with the Bucks or whatever. And a name to watch out for is Tom Brady. And this is not actually a new thing. There, there were rumors about this before he went to Tampa Bay that apparently um, Tom Brady was interested in being a minority owner of Miami, um, his wife, and maybe he wanted to live there. I'm not really sure exactly what that was, but I kind of figured it just went by the wayside. I'm not really sure. But Now that you've got potentially a forced sale, you may have Tom kind of edging his way in a little bit. The other interesting dynamic, though, is if this investigation with uh, Brian Flores goes anywhere, it's possible that Bruce Beal kind of gets caught up in this, too, and he's not going to be able to buy it because he's also implicated in it. So a lot of things to keep an eye on with Miami. Um, Not sure how long and drawn out this is going to be. And again, it really just comes down to, like I said, it's not what you know, it's what you can prove. And if, if Flores just has his word, that's not going to be enough for a billionaire owner of a football team to get ousted. He told me, okay, do you have a single email, text message, anything? No, but he definitely told me that. Okay, well, you have a nice day, and i um, sorry that you chose to go down this route of uh, attacking every single NFL owner and basically blacklisting yourself, which is let's be honest, that's what he did. I don't, I don't understand the thought process that it's unfair that the team wouldn't want to bring him on now. No, it's not. I, listen, I already compared this to Colin Kaepernick, the, the, the situation where at this point you, you don't bring him in because if you bring him in and you don't hire him, you run the risk of him suing you for 
discrimination, which is literally what he did to the Texans when they brought him in for an interview and didn't hire him. So I was right that you should not even bring him in. And the Texans tried to do the, the right thing and be like, you know, that's not really fair. Hey, why would you say it? We're going to bring him in. We'll see if he's the right guy. They decided he's not. And now, he's, now the Texans got added to the lawsuit. He blacklisted himself. And if he blacklisted himself and has no information, no real incriminating evidence against any of these teams, except a text message from Bill Belichick that's going to get swept under the rug like nothing ever happened, because that's, that's nothing more than a slap on the wrist, then I'm sorry, he's just not very bright. This is a guy that's just throwing a temper tantrum and decided he doesn't even want to be a coach anymore. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, you get no sympathy from me. Just start thrashing wildly and throwing out all these insane accusations about, you know, a quarter of the entire league. Everybody that talks to you is getting sued. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't feel bad for him. But anyways, if there is something that comes out about Miami, if there is an email, text message, something that can incriminate the owner, um, it does come down to, is Bruce Beal going to get hit with that? If not, he may be taking over. And then again, keep an eye on Tom Brady. Regardless of who ends up buying it, Tom may try to edge himself in a little bit. And I don't think there's too many owners that would be opposed to that. Because I think Tom ends up just being a face, uh, a, a recruiting tool, you know, lend some credibility to your franchise. You know, Tom's going to want to live there locally. It's part of this whole thing anyway. So you can, again, you use him as a recruiter. Anyways, in other news, uh, apparently Malcolm Butler, who was um, added to the reserve retired list back in like August, was released from that list. Um, the thought process by a lot of people is that Malcolm Butler is going to look to make a comeback somewhere else. Now, before we dig too much into this, let me just remind you that Malcolm Butler is another guy that we were told that if we actually cared, if we actually wanted to do something, if we actually planned on winning, we needed to get Malcolm Butler. Had to do it. Had to do it. And guess who did it? The the one team that I keep bringing up, that I keep forgetting all the guys that they signed, the Arizona Cardinals. They went all in for this guy and that guy and this guy and that guy. And then uh, how did they do in the play? Oh, yeah, that's right. Malcolm Butler did not play a single snap in the NFL. Now, you can say that's not the Cardinals' fault, and had he played, maybe they would have been better. And blah, 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 blah. The point is, though, again, we all want to point out all the things that we should have done, and if we don't do it, at the time we say, if we don't do it, we're stupid. And by the way, the guy signed like a $3 million contract. So that, that's the thing that always makes me nervous, when there's a, a player out there that everybody assumes is elite because of their name. Right? Everybody knows what Malcolm Butler did in 2016. Aside from that, nobody really knows, but they know that he's a really big name and had at least one really good year, so we assume every year he's been just elite. Nobody probably even knows he spent the last three years in Tennessee. But in the moment, we got to do it. And my biggest fear is this guy's going to end up signing a small contract. It's not going to be with the Packers, and everybody's going to lose their mind. You didn't sign this elite cornerback for that piddly amount of money. You guys don't even care. You don't even care. When the very obvious reality is he's not going to sign that amount of money if there's, a, if there's even one team that feels like he's worth more than that. Unless it's one team that he just doesn't want to go to, possibly. Maybe he wanted to go to a contender, but still. There's, a, there's plenty of contenders out there. And the idea that, you know, let's say the Jaguars are going to offer him like $12 million and he's going to shoot that down for $3 because he wants to go to a contender? No, I'm sorry. That's not a thing that happens. It might be the difference between four and a half and three if he chooses not to go to a contender and he's like, ah, forget it. That extra amount isn't enough to take away my chances for winning a Super Bowl. But the point is, when these guys go on to not be impactful, we just forget. We forget the fact that everybody was screaming, you don't even care because you didn't sign Malcolm Butler. I can't believe you didn't get J.J. Watt. All these guys from the Texans that were getting poached and, and everything else, and, and we didn't get them. Well, we got Whitney Merciless. Well, that doesn't count. <laughs> okay. But anyways, um, because he was released, um, the idea is he's maybe planning to uh, make a comeback, and he is now a free agent. He can sign anywhere. So you're going to be hearing the rumblings, and maybe you won't even as much for Green Bay, but there's probably still going to be some people to say, if, if a guy like Malcolm Butler is available, you don't say no. And if you can get him for $3 million, you got to do it. That's, that's going to be the argument from some people. Um, 
my response to those people is we we have very, very, very limited resources. So we need to be very, very, very particular on where we spend them. And cornerback is not one of the areas I feel like we need to be spending them. Number one. Number two, the guy's 32 years old. Number three, the guy just decided last year after being signed, I don't really feel like playing football anymore. Number four, the guy's had one good year in his entire career, and that was in 2016. He's never really been bad. But in terms of being a top tier corner, if we're if we're if we're putting it in terms of PFF grades, he's he's basically low to mid 70s every single year, 2016, 83.3 with an 87 coverage grade. He hovers in the high 60s, low 70s for a coverage grade every single year. That was the one year, 2016. So several years ago. So no, um, if Malcolm Butler rumors start floating around and, and all that, I'm, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm not interested. And it's, again, it's not that he can't do it and maybe he's going to be cheap and um, you could probably even argue that he's a better option than Razul Douglas, which I think Packer fans would probably push back on because Razul Douglas was better this past year than Malcolm Butler has been since 2016. But um, I, I don't know that I would say that I know for sure that that will be the case this upcoming year. But I, either way, it's just it's not it's not interesting. It's not something we need to freak out about. I'm hoping that Packer fans don't care if Malcolm Butler starts cropping up and talking about I want to make a comeback. Um, that most Packer fans will say, you know what, we're good at corner. Thank you for your service. But just a little background on the guy before his name starts popping up all over the place and you start hearing everybody freaking out about Malcolm Butler because his name is Malcolm Butler and people remember that that's a name that uh, is synonymous with good football player. Again, he's not bad. And, and if, you know, if, if we were in a situation where we have Jair and nobody else and we had a decent amount of money, I'm not opposed to a Malcolm Butler because he, he's a raise the floor guy. I think he's a phenomenal number two option, assuming he decides to play and not just retire before the season starts, <laughs> like right before the season starts. It's like August 31st. He's like, I don't want to do this, man. I just, I don't feel like it. The guy played in two preseason games. So he played in the preseason and then he's like, I don't, uh, that wasn't fun for me. It was K- Kansas City forced his retirement. He had a 40.6 overall grade in that game. He was just not feeling it. In other newsy news around the league, the Washington Commanders, which I'm trying to get in the habit of saying their name and typing their name whenever possible because I just, I can't quite get into it right now, and I can still not even necessarily remember, like the, is it command, what is the thing? Apparently even they aren't so big on their, their whole situation because they've already made a change to their new crest. That's a really bad sign. I mean, they spent months doing all these things, really trying to whittle down the perfect name, the perfect logo, the perfect crest, whatever. But I mean, this is, this is the things that kind of annoy me with franchises when it comes to incompetence. And I know, I listen, I know this is a minor thing, who cares? But I mean, this is something that doesn't even matter, right? They've got a lot of big issues going on with all the legal trouble that they're going through. Um, another owner that may be forced to sell the team, although probably not because somehow he was allowed to conduct his own investigation. Although some of these documents are being turned over to Congress, which I don't even know exactly what their role is in this, but they're wanting a bigger role. And then I don't, I don't, I don't know what they're able to do, but still, I mean, this is, this is of all the things you need to get right. This one is so simple and they unveil this name. Nobody likes it, which just, I was thinking about this yesterday. What did you do? What was your focus group? I mean, you know how easy it would be to turn to social media, even in a covert way, and be like, let's get some fan submissions of uh, logos and all that stuff. And if we like it, we might even use it as our logo for the next hundred years. You know how, how awesome that would be if you created a logo that was on a thing? And so you just let thousands of people do this. You're going to get some of the coolest things you've ever seen, some of the most creative names and logos and everything else you've ever seen. And you're going to be able to see the fan feedback. There's going to be articles written. You can do posts. You could have made this so much fun and had such a, a, a massive investment in this. And instead, you made it real covert. You hit it. You come out with a very bland thing. And, and of course, anytime you do this, everyone's going to say it's stupid. I think the uh, only time that's ever not happened was, what was that? Uh, was that Washington team? Um, I don't know. It's like a sea creature thing. I don't know. But that, that was like, every, everybody saw that, like, that's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. And it was. But this was just such a botched, and, and, and again, they probably spent ridiculous amounts of money go, trying to decide what firm to go with. And then they spent a bunch of money with a firm, and they have focus groups, which they probably spent thousands and thousands of thousands of dollars on these focus groups, not realizing that social media is just a giant focus group. And I mean giant. 
millions of people would have been involved in this focus group. And you can pay a firm if you want to analyze that data, but you didn't. And you came out with this thing, and now already you're looking at it going, eh, I don't know, I don't, maybe we should tweak that a little bit. You bunch of morons. But that's, that's um, I think you get these guys in that mentality that they're too good for that. You know, that's something I can do, so it's beneath them. They need to do something that I can't do. What I can't do is spend millions of dollars on different firms and uh, different creatives, and we've got people in-house that can do that stuff. And so we're going to spend way too much money on way too ineffective means of getting the job done because essentially it's a power thing. I don't, I don't know. Because I can, because I have contacts, because I have staff, because I have... All right, well, you're, you're going to do something stupid then. Congratulations. In other news, very relevant to the Green Bay Packers, apparently the incoming administration for the Minnesota Vikings really likes Kirk Cousins, really wants Kirk Cousins to stay. Now, that has further reaching implications than what you might think. The idea that maybe what they can do is pay lip service to it while they try to find his backup, give him maybe one more year and boot him. A couple things. Number one, the prospect of them drafting a quarterback is relatively low. It's just not a good draft for it. Not that they're necessarily even in a bad position. I think they're in a good position to get a, one of the better quarterbacks. It's just not great. And I don't know that you want to start off your career... Um, looking at that. Number two, I believe them when they say that they like Kirk Cousins, and I I think it makes sense. As I've said, I think he's a good quarterback. I think he gets too much hate. I know that there are some negatives, but every quarterback has negatives. He's basically erased the whole, you know, he doesn't perform in prime time anymore. That's basically gone now. I looked into that, I think, last year to see if that was still holding true, and it absolutely was not. But here's the situation. And maybe, maybe this was always the situation to begin with, because this is a tough situation. Remember, he got a fully guaranteed contract which means there was no way they were ever going to get out of his contract. The best thing you can do is in his final year, you cut him, and you cut him for exactly how much money he has left. In other words, it's not like, well, if we cut him, how much money do we save? Zero, because you have to pay every penny of his contract. And the way that they structured it made it very heavy in the final year. He's sitting at $45 million right now. What do we know about that? Zero chance they... um, Zero chance they leave him at $45 million on the cap. They're going to give him an extension. Now, it's entirely possible that they really aren't that big on Kirk Cousins, but they recognize what I'm looking at right now, which is an impossible situation to get out of. I mean, the only way you can get out of it is you don't offer him an extension. You allow him to weigh $45 million on the cap. You take it on the chin this year, and next year you're completely free from Kirk Cousins. From my perspective, if I want to move on from Kirk, I'm ripping off the Band-Aid. That's how I'm going to handle it. But a lot of teams don't handle things that way. They're going to look at it and say, no, we're going to get creative. We're going to restructure this. We're going to help out our salary cap so that we can, you know, take a shot with Kirk a little bit, free up. And they can free up plenty depending on how they restructure it, but, or, or restructure the extension, I guess. But just remember, the, the, the more funny and, and silly we get with this contract, the less likely we are to get out of this sooner. So if we want to, you know, make this a real long contract and really backload it so that we're we got a plenty of cap space, then you're stuck with Kirk Cousins instead of, you know, maybe one more year or two more years. You're, you're talking three more years maybe. And the less you do that, the more hefty the the money is up front because that's what we're talking about. There's a certain pile of money that Kirk Cousins has owed. And by the way, the 45 million is there. So if we give him an extension and you know push that money out, the 45 million is still there. So if you give him a, let's say it's a two-year extension. And because he's getting older or whatever, what was his last one? It was, uh, it was two years, 66 million. Is that even right? I guess. So let's just say that uh, he stays the same. They give him the exact same thing. Two years, 66 million. Because, you know, he's not worth quite as much as he was, but also the salary cap is going up. Inflation, you know how it is. And it's not fully guaranteed, but let's just look at that 66 million over two years. The point is, though, we also need to get out from under this 45. So if we just structured it you know, just completely even, you'd have 45 this year, then 33, then 33. But we don't want to do that. We got to move the 45. Where's, the, where's some of that 40? What do we want to get down to? Well, let's, let's get it down to, I don't know, 25. All right. So you got 20 million, you got to shift. So if we do that evenly, that puts it at 45 and 45. That's not great. How are we going to get out of that? Now, now we're screwed. You see what I'm saying? This is not, this, this is also why it annoys me with the whole the salary cap thing is fake. It's not. Th- those are real numbers that you got to figure, well, we can just tweak that. No, you can't. No, you can't. You have to pay the man. And the only way that you can make that work is, is make it all fake money and offer him basically no guarantees, and he's not going to accept that. Remember, you can restructure a guy's contract if you want. 
you can't just force feed him an extension. So it has to be one he's going to be willing to accept. So bottom line is, um, this, this is they're kind of going through what the Packers are going through, but in a much smaller way. They have a quarterback that gives them the best chance to win right now. They can free up a bunch of money by giving the guy an extension. They're still going to have Kirk Cousins and a, and, and a really good wide receiver room, and they still got all that talent that they can bring back. They're going to free up a bunch of money so that they can kind of go out into free agency and maybe do some stuff, and they got some draft picks, and let's, let's kind of run it back kind of a thing. And from an opposing fan standpoint, Packers, Bears, Lions, et cetera, et cetera, everybody else that doesn't like the Vikings, we're also kind of torn. You see Bears fans and stuff doing this with Aaron Rodgers, where it's like they really want, they obviously really want him gone and they want this disaster to start sooner. But there's also an element of, well, maybe this is for the better because it's just going to, you know, assuming they don't win a Super Bowl, it's just going to hurt their chances of winning long term in the future. That's kind of where I'm at. I really want Kirk gone because when he leaves, they're just doomed. Because again, he doesn't get enough credit for how good he is. But at the same time, they're not the Packers. This is not a team that's knocking on the door. This is a team that didn't even make the playoffs. And you're going to run it back and keep this um, soon-to-be 34-year-old quarterback and extend him and not get yourself out from under this. I mean, that, that was always my biggest issue with the Vikings is they just refuse to let go of players. And so as players decline, they're like, no, we're going to keep them. And then the contracts just swell and swell and swell. And, and again, when I talked about um, efficiency in, in your contracts insofar as talent per dollar. Talent per dollar just goes down every single time because as players get more and more, as they get older, they tend to get less talented and more expensive. So the efficiency of those dollars goes down every single contract they sign. Now, again, that doesn't mean you just cut everybody because efficiency is the only thing that matters because you're just going to cut all your best players and that kind of becomes the problem. But the Vikings just take that to the extreme. Now, it's a new regime. We'll see how it goes. And and I understand the direction that they're going. But again, the point is, this is not just a let's just try it for a year situation. They're, they're in kind of a tough spot with Kirk, and I don't know that they have any other options other than we're just going to let this ride out at $45 million, um, which is also kind of an impossible situation. The Vikings have to clear almost $15 million. Um, it's not as bad as the Packers, but it's still some work, and, and the biggest by far. I mean, they, they can basically clear it just by a new Kirk Cousins deal. So anyways, again, the... the um, the expectation, based on what the new leadership has said, is that Kirk Cousins is going to be staying with the Vikings. Uh, one of the quotes from new coach O'Connell says, well, I know he's under contract and I'm excited to coach him. We've already started thinking about how we're going to build those systems for him and our other quarterbacks and really the tremendous skill groups that we have. Our guys up front, it takes all 11, blah, 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 blah. But I am anticipating Kirk being a part of what we're going to do moving forward. The new GM also kind of echoed that and said, um, we're focused on building the team around him to set him up to succeed as best as we can. Now, again, this this could very easily be them just looking at it saying, we can't get away from this this year. You know, we, we, we can't really move on from him. It's a $45 million cap hit if we if we move on from him. However, these are not the, the strongest um, sentiments I've ever heard for a player. It's kind of, you know, well, I'm excited to work with him. What, for a year? I mean, if they, if they don't offer him a contract, then they are just ripping the Band-Aid off. And, and that's a very clear sign that they want him gone, but they can't cut him this year. So I, I guess that'll be the interesting development there. I, I assume that they're going to extend him. They've all talked about how they, they like him and they've worked with him before and they're, they want him to be a part of what, he, what the team is doing moving forward. And based on, again, a $45 million cap hit, I just, I would be surprised if they just let that hang there. And, and again, if they do, he's 100% gone next year, unless he pulls an Aaron Rodgers and you know, wins MVP or whatever, because again, teams can't see the future and they're allowed to change their mind based on new information, despite the popular sentiment that uh, you need to see the future. And if you mess that up, you're, you're dead. You're dead, man. Um, another minor Vikings news. They also announced uh, coaching hires of Ed Donatel as defensive coordinator and Mike Pettin as assistant head coach for Kevin O'Connell. So this is becoming a very popular thing for Mike Pettin to be a, basically a mentor for, young coaches. Um, it's, it's what Matt LaFleur did. Um, he's, he's also just doing the tours of the NFC North because he was with the Chicago Bears for a while at just trying to help with the defense, which largely has to do with helping scout the Green Bay Packers, which didn't work at all. And just generally familiar with the Vikings and the Lions and the division and all that stuff. But again, not very helpful. But now he's going back to Minnesota, or not back to, but you know, just kind of circling around the NFC North. This time in the capacity of assistant head coach, just again, mentoring another young coach. They also brought on um, Chris O'Hara as the quarterback coach. 
Um, finally, before we take a break, I, there's so much here. I don't know if I should just do both of these. I guess I will, because I want to get all the non-Packer stuff out of the way here. Uh, Matt Stafford got involved in a little bit of drama. I don't really know exactly what my opinion is on this. It's pretty bad, clearly. If you don't know what happened, there was a photographer that must have been standing at the edge of this platform where they were going to be doing their, you know, speeches, whatever the case. And she didn't realize where she was, and she fell, and I guess it was about seven feet, which is not a small drop, and ended up going to the doctor. According to her, she fractured her spine. I don't know if there's any additional issues there, but uh, Matt Stafford was caught on film seeing that happen, kind of like gasping and then turning and walking away and just drinking a bottle of water, like pretending he didn't see it because he just doesn't want to have to get involved, I guess. I don't know. Now, I know you're not allowed to say, yeah, but he's drunk. I, as somebody that was, by every definition, an alcoholic for um, many years, I mean, you can say, well, it was just college if you want, I suppose. I could, I could use that excuse. I mean, I, I, I physically can't, but um, let's just say it was literally daily. So um, I have a little bit of experience with this. I don't think there were too many days that went by that I did things that I didn't regret. And maybe you all aren't familiar with how this works, but um, your brain isn't really working too well. And again, I know it's a lame excuse, and maybe he was just a little bit instead of a a lot of bit, so it kind of depends how drunk, so he wasn't able to quite process it. I'm not saying the guy deserves a pass, but I think when you get into that state of mind, you're still accountable for your actions, but it's at least somewhat understandable as to where your brain maybe just wasn't working quite right, because that's literally what alcohol does to your brain. And I think some people tend to think it brings out more of who you really are. I don't know, man. If that's the case, who I am is somebody that cries a lot and wets the bed. <laughs> because, you know, and I like to stand on the roof and howl. And uh, I'm a guy that likes to throw mailboxes in the middle of the street. Love punching fire extinguisher, that glass, and then, you know, um, scarring up your hands real bad and, and bleeding all over the place and then wrapping it in toilet paper and falling asleep on the floor. also love napping in bathrooms. That's just who I am because that's what I've learned about myself because it brings out who you really are. No, it doesn't. It makes you an idiot. I almost fought one of my roommates because he said, you're the man once. So I don't know. Of all the things in the world to be outraged about, um, I think it kind of makes you look a little sideways at him and makes you wonder maybe that is his character, but I don't know. Because if he's completely out of his mind and barely even remembers that day, if the worst thing he did was say, oh my goodness, and walk away, it's not a bad day. I mean, I've had some days, man. I've had some days, and if that was the worst thing that somebody, like, what happened yesterday, and they're like, well, this, this girl fell down and got hurt, and you didn't help her. Seriously? Yeah, man. That's crazy. Why didn't I? I don't know. You just walked away. It was crazy. Oh. she all right? Yeah, she's, she'll be all right. Dang, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I don't, what are you supposed to do? And again, I've, I've, uh, I've had some people remind me of things that, that I was not super happy with, and never once did it occur to me, man, maybe, maybe I'm just a horrible person. Nope. Because that's not me, and I know because I don't do those things or have any desire to do any of those things when I'm not drinking, which I don't anymore for those exact reasons. Makes you do things you shouldn't. So, again, it obviously looked real bad. Um, Low-hanging fruit, he needed to pay for that, and he did. He and the Rams decided to come together and pay for that. I'm sure there's going to be a public apology coming out very, very soon in which he will say that, uh, you know, drinking is no excuse because obviously he's not allowed to say what I'm saying right now. And, and, and it's not, again, like if you get in the car under the influence and you hit somebody, you can't just say, eh, he was drinking. I mean, it's true, but you still have to pay for that. And that's what he has to do. His payment is going to be physical money and penance and having this thrown in your face anytime anything happens ever. If he makes a single post on social media, half the comments are going to be, remember that time you walked away from that girl that fractured her spine? That's, so that's, that's his payment. So, I don't know, I, I, I get both sides of it, but I also don't understand why we need to spend so much time on this one issue. It's, it's kind of one of those, dang, what a jerk, and you move on with your life. I don't know, it's probably because it's Matt Stafford, I guess, because I see 500 more crazy things than that on a daily basis on social media. But I guess it's because it's a famous person that won the Super Bowl, so we gotta, just gotta care more, I guess. Finally, um, what? The story got deleted. Dang, that's the biggest part of this whole story. Well, (laughs) Um, there was a story over at medium.com, whatever that is. Um, Apparently, there's some big Chiefs thing that a lot of Chiefs fans know about that I've never heard of. 
Um, they're known in the community of having like some insights and stuff and uh, occasionally break some thing. I don't know. I wish I could tell you all the dirty details, but they deleted the story. So apparently either they got way too much blowback or something got exposed as being fraudulent. I, I saw by the time I read it, they had made a couple amendments or at least clarifications on certain things. Um, and apparently on their second run through of clarifying, they're like, let's just delete this thing. So um, I'm I'm thinking that it has to do with blowback because um, people get very angry when you say stuff like this, but it has to do with Eric B. Enemy. And it really just detailed out the fact that the teammates really don't like Bienemy very much. He's a very crass, nah, crass isn't the right word, but he's very, um, I guess, full of himself. He does not take feedback very well. And it, it kind of reached a boiling point in the AFC Championship between him and Mahomes, who have been butting heads basically all season. And according to them, they got to the point where they were basically screaming in each other's faces. Um, they needed to be broken up by, you know, a few different uh, by, by different people, players, I think Andy Reid at some point had gotten involved and um, basically separated them. And it just, it, it's gotten real ugly. And it just detailed out certain things like that and how that plays into, you know, him not being able to get jobs elsewhere because number one, his reputation is kind of well known, being a guy that does not take feedback very well. Uh, he also does have a criminal history and a few other things that, that are working against him. But of course, you're not allowed to say any of these things because some people, only accept the most ridiculous answers and the easiest, laziest answers. And again, as you know, I don't like any of that stuff. Everybody wants just this, give me an, right up. This is what I talk about all the time. Just give me an answer. Why didn't the Packers win? There's got to be some definitive answer and some quick solution. Well, special teams, hire a new special teams coordinator. Boom, we fixed it. No, man, that's, no, it's more complicated than that. Why didn't we win? It's because of Aaron Rodgers. He shouldn't come back. He's the problem. Mm. No, I mean, he was the problem in this game, but that's not really how that worked. Well, we didn't go all in enough. We, we got to go all in. No, that's stupid. That's really stupid. That's not, that's wrong for so many reasons. But we always got to have just these things. And usually it's based on our preconceived biases, right? So, so the people who are obsessed with Aaron Rodgers will say that the problem is we didn't support Aaron Rodgers. The people that don't like Aaron Rodgers are going to say Aaron Rodgers is the problem. So it's, it's two things. It's people being way too lazy and overgeneralizing everything. And basically just trying to use that as a way to push home their biases. And there are a lot of people right now who at every turn love to push the racist thing. Racist, racist, racist. racist. Anytime anything happens that I can push racist, that's what I'm going to do. It's lazy and it's boring and I've never seen it actually be the best explanation of almost anything. Flores didn't get the job in Houston because of racism, but they hired a black coach. Well, that's just, that's the part of the racism. Okay, I can't, I can't even talk to you. This is so stupid. The fact of the matter is I want to actually engage things in a thoughtful way and actually learn things. And I can't learn anything if I say, I wonder why Eric Bieniemy isn't getting hired and people just say racism. Okay, that, that doesn't help me. Well, that's the reason. Okay, but other black coaches are getting hired. Why not Bieniemy? Well, d different r racism is complicated. <laughs> I'm not learning anything because that's stupid. There's something here. There's something to be learned about Bieniemy. There's something to be learned about the chiefs. There's something to be learned about the hiring process. And any time, and, and again, this, this article was, was insightful. I don't know how much of it is 100%. I mean, there were, there was, apparently, the enemy's been getting very, very upset. They, they, and here's the other thing. It sounds like, at least according to this article, they really didn't want the enemy around, but they understand how horrible the optics are if they let the enemy go. Because the, the narrative is, he is one of the best offensive coordinators in the NFL. He's one of the most brilliant offensive minds in all of football who is being blackballed by everybody except the Chiefs who are trying to get him a job, but they just can't because all 31 other teams are so racist. Again, very lazy narrative. Very stupid. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but that's the narrative. And if they fire the guy or let his contract expire and don't bring him back, now you're also racist. So they offered him a one-year contract, and apparently Biennemi this whole year has just been miserable. He's furious that he can't get a job somewhere else. He doesn't want to just be here and be an offensive coordinator. Um, he, he's very demanding in terms of, I want all these things, and I want to be in control of this, 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 this. And Andy Reid's like, yeah, dude, that's cool. You can, you can kind of do whatever you want. And it's just not going very well. And apparently they're kind of back in that situation. His contract is coming to an end, and they're trying to decide what are we going to do. If we bring him back, that's not going to go very well with the players who don't want him here. If we let him go, we're going to face a media firestorm. Now, if it's me, I'm too stupid. I don't care. 
well, should we keep Bien? Well, no, it's it's not going well with Bien. Okay, so we're going to let him go. Yeah, but then then Twitter is going to be mad at us. Dude, I don't care. I'm trying to win Super Bowls. Get him out of my building. Okay, but then we got to hire a black offensive coordinator. No, we don't. You are going to hire the best offensive coordinator you can find, and I don't care what color he is. And if you even suggest that again, you're getting fired. You will interview all the best candidates, and you will pick the number one best candidate. I don't care if that is a Korean woman, a pygmy, an engineer at SpaceX, a literal Martian. I don't care. And here's the thing. If it is a white male that is the best candidate, that guy's getting hired, and I don't care what Twitter thinks. It's amazing how, how, how worried and scared teams are of this. But that is apparently where the Chiefs are. And of course, it started a firestorm because you are not allowed to suggest there's anything wrong with Eric Bieniemy. The only answer is he can't get a job because of racism. I'm sorry, you're not going to get that answer here because it's not interesting. It's, it's, again, I can't learn anything and I can't grow if I'm just going to be told that I'm not allowed to think about anything. You're not allowed to engage with why he's not able to get a job. Other minorities can get jobs. He can't. Why? The Chiefs are successful. Why? Maybe because he's not the biggest reason for their success. Maybe because he doesn't interview very well. Maybe because the, the players don't like him very much. Maybe because he has a criminal history. Maybe because he's an abrasive guy. I mean, I'm sorry, but if there's rumors that he and a star quarterback are butting heads and really hate each other, I don't want that guy on my team. You want that guy to come over here and coach Aaron Rodgers? I don't. Aaron Rodgers is not going to put up with that. I mean, maybe they'll get along swimmingly, but if he's an abrasive guy that will not listen to feedback from his star players, including his star quarterback, no chance in the universe I'm letting him anywhere near Aaron Rodgers because this thing will go nuclear in five seconds. So again, if you want to actually understand things, you're going to have to be a little bit open-minded to what's actually going on. And if you're just going to have broad sweeping things based on your political biases, you're going to suck at this football thing. I'm sorry. You're just not going to be any good at it because that's just lazy. And you're just choosing not to actually engage and and have uh, interesting thoughts and dialogues about about the inner workings of how things work. So anyways, um, it sounds to me, and again, this is just a heads up for, for essentially how this is going to go down. It's possible they bring him back. I think that would be the wrong decision if any of the allegations are true. I mean, one of the things that was mentioned is the reason why you didn't see Eric Bieniemy on camera very much is because Andy Reid asked the production crew to not put him on camera. You know why? Because he's very unhappy and there's a lot of blow-ups on the sideline. And apparently Pat Mahomes and um, Eric Bieniemy are in each other's faces constantly on the sideline. And this is something that is observed by people who go to the games, but you don't see it on TV very much because, again, Andy Reid said, do not put that man on camera. Now, if they bring him back, this whole article is going to be seen as fake, and this is proof, and this is how you know it was all nonsense and whatever. But again, they're already talking about and mentioned in the article they may bring him back for the reason of, you know, they can't let him go. They've been hoping that you keep signing him to these one-year contracts, eventually he's going to get a head coaching job, but nobody's hiring him as a head coach. So they can't shake him. If he gets let go, make absolutely clear that there will be a firestorm. This is because of the color of his skin, and then he's going to go out trying to find a job as a head coach. He's not going to get it. That's going to be because of the color of his skin. If you want to choose to believe that, that's fine. Other people are getting jobs who have different skin colors because they're qualified. And at the end of the day, these teams care about winning. And if, and if he was as good as everybody thought he was going to be, there's no chance in the world guys like Lovey Smith, you know, Alan Williams, Ryan Poles, Ejiro Evero, Mike Caldwell, Patrick Graham... Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, Terrell Austin, Anthony Lynn, Clint Hurt. These guys are not getting jobs then. Explain that to me. How do they get jobs? If Biennemi can't get a job and those guys can get jobs, you're going to have to give me an answer for why they can get jobs and this guy can't. Again, that's the interesting thing, and I'm actually interested in it. I want to know. And so that's why this article was interesting to me, because that's, that is a question for me. What is it about the guy that he can't get a job? It's interesting. And I'm sorry, racism doesn't fit the test because you can very easily test it. Okay, he can't get a job. Does it, it, can anybody else? Yes, lots of lots of people with different skin color. Well, that's not really true. It's just white and black mostly. But yeah, a lot of black guys getting jobs. So that doesn't meet the standard for me as far as being an acceptable answer. So we got to have a different answer. But if you ask a different question and start getting different answers, that that's not allowed. That's silly. So I'm going to tell you that there's problems going on in Kansas City with guys like Eric Bieniemy not getting along with his players because it's interesting information that's going to answer questions honestly that are interesting questions. 
And again, the, the easiest way to get through this is to just say, oh yeah, that's definitely the case because that'll get me all the applause and everything else. I can't do that. I'm too stupid. I'm, I'm, I'm too interested in reality and, and truth and trying to get down to what's actually going on. And when I hear stuff that's just so basic and simplistic and just overgeneralized, it's like, I can't do this, dude. I understand it's going to cause problems on Twitter, but I, I just, I don't, I don't care because I, it's not real. I mean, if it's real, then it's real. I mean, there are bad people and I say when bad people are bad people and you know, that's the way it is. But this just doesn't make sense. That explanation is tired and it doesn't work. And again, here, here's the number one thing I, I want people that are obsessed with that to do because they refuse to do it. Call Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur racists because that's what you got to do. I want you to call these people by name, especially our team. Tell me that Brian Gutekunst, Mark Murphy, and Matt LaFleur are racist. And then explain to me why you root for this team. If you believe, I root for this team because I don't believe that. I don't think that's true. I think that they hire the best possible candidates. And a lot of times they get that wrong, including Mo Drayton, who has black skin, was hired and was a bad hire. But they thought it was the best hire at the time. It wasn't racism. It's not, well, they just refused. They, they, they just hired him because they didn't want to hire a more qualified white guy. No, that's, that's stupid. They thought that was the best decision and that's what they did. And it was the wrong decision. Sometimes you can make bad decisions. There's a lot of stupid going on. But again, it makes more sense to uh, attribute stupidity than malice. To automatically jump to, these people are evil. I'll never understand that. Huh, I wonder why you can't get a job. Because everybody's evil except me. Oh, wow. It's a lot of people that are evil. Does that include the black GMs that are evil and refuse to hire? Oh, wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that. That's quite a theory you got there. Thanks for contributing to the conversation. Stupid, dude. Well, we're running kind of late, but I do have some time, so I guess um, I'm not going to stop with not even addressing the Packers at all. Why don't we take a break here? Uh, don't forget Drew's service dog, Patreon, uh, whatever. Pack underscore daddy on Twitter, pinned to the top if you want to contribute. You can find his GoFundMe there. Uh, a Modern Frontier if you want to buy some meat. Amodernfrontier.com. Use promo code MEATPACKER. That's all caps, one word. I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm going to start binging meat. I've, I've made somewhat of a decision that... Um, I'm going to be doing somewhat of an Atkinsy thing just because I need to do something. And um, if I'm going to punish myself, I want to punish myself in a really awesome way, like just eating meat all the time. I just need a goal. And so that's going to be my goal. But anyways, I'm, I'm going to start ripping through that box so I can order more meat. That's kind of the point of what I'm saying. But why don't we take a quick break and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So I guess not surprisingly, that all went a little longer than I was wanting to. I want to just rip through the news and then get to Packers stuff, but you know how it goes with me. That's not possible. The big Green Bay news, the Green Bay Packers are expected to hire, although I can probably find a more updated tweet. They did hire veteran assistant and former offensive coordinator Tom Clements as their new quarterback coach. Per league sources, Clements' addition is expected to be welcomed highly by quarterback Aaron Rodgers as he contemplates his future. So I had a little bit of fun with this. Because when I first saw this tweet, I started trying to think it through, and my mind immediately went to, the only reason this makes sense is for Aaron Rodgers. And I tried to think my way out of that, right? I mean, his ties to Green Bay don't really tie to Green Bay. I mean, as far as like 2022 Green Bay, the only thing that's still the same, aside from the stadium, which doesn't make hiring decisions, and some of the other staff, you know, uh, that were there, you know, vendors and whatnot groundskeepers, they also don't make decisions. The only guy that's there that that would uh, matter would be Aaron Rodgers. But at the same time, again, I don't really like overly simplistic, generalized answers to things, especially ones that seem kind of stupid. And and to think that the Packers would say, eh, maybe Aaron will like this a little bit, so let's do it for Aaron, it just doesn't quite cut it for me. It's possible. Again, stupid is is a possibility, and people do do stupid. And it can be a combination of things. But it's such a far-fetched thing when you look at Tom Clements, his, his success in Green Bay was a long time ago, and then also the fact that he retired. So they had to reach out to him in retirement and say, please come back, we need you. It just was really, really strange to me. So um, I decided to ask Twitter, and I said, give me your best theory, and I, you know, be sure to get weird with it. So we heard some really good answers and some really good theories, and um, also some really off-the-wall stuff that I'm very excited to share with you. Number one is JJ's, which I think is probably going to be the most common and popular one. And that is, uh, he says, I've got a theory. Green Bay had this string of really quality quarterback production, even dudes like Matt Flynn while Clements was here. Since then, who have they had besides Rodgers, who is that great? Seems like everywhere he goes, they've had competent quarterback play. That's as far as I get. So for the record, real quick looking at Clements. So Couple things, and there is some really interesting dynamics here between him and Aaron Rodgers. Um, if you have a memory like mine, you maybe don't remember it very well. People who have memories like Iron Traps, um, guys like Jacob Westendorf, I've learned, has a memory like that. <laughs> He's one of those guys that can just rattle off stats. Him and I were talking very briefly about stuff that I was doing on Twitter, and um, that would be kind of a fun segment. We should, we should. I'll, I'll have to talk to Jacob about that. See if he'd be interested in doing it. Do like a little call-in show. And it's like, can you beat Jacob? And I just got a series of questions and see if you can answer it better than he. I think that'd be fun. I don't know if he'd be interested because he's obviously got his own show. And if he was smart, he would just steal the idea and be like, no, I'm going to do that on my own show. I'm not doing it on your stupid show. But I'll ask him anyways. Anyways, I vaguely remembered that him and Clements were really, really tight. And we'll get into that in a minute. But, and by the way, my, my constant need to call Tom Clements, Mike Clemens, because that's a different guy. I just, I cannot stop doing that. I keep calling him Mike and Clemens. I think I, when I was talking to JJ, spelled his last name Clemens, because it just that's just stuck in my head for some reason. Tom Clemens is a different name. But a couple of different interesting things. Number one is if you remember back in the day under Mike McCarthy, one of the things that they were known for was developing quarterbacks, right? That was very, very popular. In fact, they had what was called the quarterback school that they put quarterbacks through. I don't know literally what that meant, but it was... It was something that they devised that everybody that came in, and similar to what J.J. was talking about, when people show up, they tend to be pretty impressive. Mike, uh, I just did it again. Tom Clements, not Mike, Tom, was a part of that. He was a part of that whole quarterback school thing, and he, he helped to put Aaron Rodgers through that, and Matt Flynn through that, and a bunch of other guys that came through here through that. Prior to Green Bay, though, he was the offensive coordinator for the Bills, quarterback coach for the Steelers, quarterback coach for the Chiefs, quarterback coach for the Saints, quarterback coach for Notre Dame starting in 1992. He was also a player going all the way back to 1975 for the Ottawa Rough Riders. Brief stint with the Kansas City Chiefs in 80, otherwise mostly just playing in Canada and whatnot. After Green Bay, however, he left in 2016, and we'll get into that whole debacle. Um, He went over to the Arizona Cardinals in 2019, was the pass game, or no, excuse me. See, this is where it gets kind of 
kind of crazy because he goes off the map in 2017, 2018. There's some talk that he was with Kansas City. I've been trying to confirm that, but I just, I can't find it anywhere. I can't find anything about Tom Clements in those two years. Uh, the only thing I can find here is, um, this is a official comment from Mike McCarthy at the time, January 26, 2017, via Mike McCarthy. Tom Clements is going to move on to other interests. I'd like to take a moment to thank Tom for an incredible 11 years here. That was Mike McCarthy's comment at the time. Other interests. I don't know what that is. But again, there are rumors that he went to Kansas City and helped coach up Mahomes. That does not appear to be the case. Uh, if he went to Kansas City, it was for a role that was not even worthy of being mentioned literally anywhere on the internet. It's not on uh, Wikipedia. It's not on his official record as a coach. But anyways, apparently he took a couple years to just kind of reflect on life. And if he was doing things, it was very covert uh, fashion. He ends up going to the Arizona Cardinals in 2019. Now, the only thing I could think is when people try to tie him to um, Patrick Mahomes is that when he went to Arizona, he ended up working under um, Cliff Kingsbury, who was, you know, Arizona's head coach. Cliff Kingsbury was also Pat Mahomes' head coach when he was over at Texas Tech. So there's that parallel. I don't know if people are getting that confused or how that would necessarily work. Maybe he was moving to Texas Tech and doing stuff there. Again, it would have been a very small role. If he was the quarterback coach there, it would have shown up anywhere in the world. I don't know. But Anyways, for whatever reason, he ends up in Arizona with Cliff Kingsbury over at uh, the Arizona Cardinals. He was the passing game coordinator slash quarterback coach for 2019 and 2020, and then uh, decided to retire and now is back with the Green Bay Packers. It is also worth noting, um, before we go on with more theories, that um, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Clements, right? Tom Clements? Yes, Tom Clements. I'm never going to get that, just so you know. Very, 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 very close. Um, there have been several instances where certain people, especially quarterback coaches, but also offensive coordinators and whatnot, will leave the team, and Aaron Rodgers is beside himself. This was one of those instances. Tom Clements was Aaron Rodgers' quarterback coach and probably one of the guys he was closest with in terms of, of the coaches. And when he was let go, Aaron Rodgers was not happy at all. I want to read this article here. This is from Total Packers back in 2017, written by Rob Bourne. Now, this is, this is mostly, I mean, this is a blog and this is one guy's opinion, but I just want to kind of give you the, the tone and tenor of the moment in 2017 because, you know, we, we, we kind of forget how things were in 2017. So I want to read through this just to kind of give you an idea of the thought process of at least some fans at the time. He starts off with, as we reported at the time, Clemens' position had become a redundancy. Here's how that came about. Clemens went through the typical NFL coaching journey after playing quarterback, blah, 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 blah. We kind of went through all that. What about the gap in the 80s? Don't really care. Less than three weeks after McCarthy was hired by Green Bay, he selected Clements to be his quarterback coach. A year later, Clements guided 38-year-old Brett Favre to perhaps his best season in Green Bay. 4,155 passing yards, 66.5 completion percentage, 28 touchdowns, and a 13-3 record. It was Brett's final year with the team. Clements then turned his attention to new starting quarterback. In the four years Clements was his quarterback coach, Aaron Rodgers saw his quarterback rating go from 93.8 to the NFL all-time mark of 122.5, and the team went from a 6-10 record to 15-1. and In 2012, McCarthy promoted Clements to offensive coordinator. In 2015, McCarthy gave Clements the title of assistant head coach for the offense, along with passing on the offensive play-calling responsibility, oh, passing on the offensive play-calling responsibilities to him. In week 14, however, McCarthy reclaimed the play-calling duties, let the record show that in 2015, McCarthy's play calling proved slightly less effective than Clements had been. So you may vaguely remember that when he turned over play calling duties and then things did not really get better and then he took them back and then things were even less not better. <laughs> Everyone was predicting Clements would not be back in 2016. He lost face when McCarthy reversed himself and in effect demoted him. Clements, however, remained loyal to the team and stayed on for the 2016 campaign. On January 26, McCarthy announced he was letting Clements go, saying, quote, I'd like to take this moment to thank Tom for an incredible 11 years here, unquote. For all his loyalty and expertise, Clements got to this moment of thanks. It wasn't the first time McCarthy and the rest of the organization gave an employee such an inadequate send-off. McCarthy promoted Clements right out of a job. It appears that uh, there will be no replacement and that offensive coordinator Edgar Bennett will assume Clements' duties. And that was a disaster. That was, when, that was really when things started to spiral out of control. It really was. I mean, you know, 
after the 2016 season, after Clements left and after Edgar Bennett took over. And, and you know, I mean, this really may be part of the, the spiral. Aaron Rodgers became really unhappy with the team at the time. His play started to decline. The locker room started to deteriorate. I'm not saying Clements was the number one reason, but things were not good. Anyways, he goes on, the Clements-Rogers bond. During their 11 years of working together, quarterback Rodgers routinely referred to Clements as his close friend, an adjective, an adjective, jeez Louise, an adjective he's never used when referring to a head coach. Curiously, Rodgers made no comment upon the departure of Clements. Instead, McCarthy relayed that Rodgers much appreciated Clements' help. The ending of such a close relationship reminds me all too much of Favre's final years in Green Bay. One by one, his old teammates left the team until he had no one of his own era to pal around with. Frank Winters, his teammate of 11 years, left after the 2002 season. Brett's father died in 2003. Favre had a serious concussion in 2004. By 2005, he was contemplating retirement, and the game had clearly lost a good deal of its luster for the aging 35-year-old. He was 38 when he bitterly parted ways with the Packers. So this this kind of was a breaking point for Aaron Rodgers. And 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 again it really provides a, a whole picture of everything and and how bad things they've gotten and and you kind of understand again the direction of getting Jordan Love in here because that era was dying and Aaron Rodgers was not he was not enjoying it. He was not playing at a really high level. The injuries were stacking up. But yeah, I mean, I think he was kind of at that moment of feeling like we were kind of at the end and all his buddies were gone and you know one by one, everybody's leaving, and every time he leaves, Aaron Rodgers gets mad because the Packers move on a little early. Usually, it's it's right at the right time, but it feels early because they have a genuinely decent season, and the Packers are like, all right, we're done with that. And then, sort of inexplicably, right, Clements is a really good coach. Uh, the players love him. Aaron Rodgers loves him. And Mike's like, all right, I, I've had enough. It's time for him to, to move on. You know, we, we promoted him, hoping, kind of similar to the enemy thing, hoping that he would get hired away. And this is this is the cycle the Packers got caught up in. He kept promoting everybody up to the top, hoping that they would get hired away. And you just kind of got to a point where, you know, at first everybody gets hired away. And then you kind of reach a point where nobody, none of you guys are getting hired away anymore. And for some reason, he decided, Clements, I just don't want him here anymore. Then Edgar Bennett came along, same thing, promoted him, promoted him, promoted him. Um, and you just had a bunch of guys that got promoted that nobody else around the NFL wanted. You couldn't get rid of these guys until finally Mike McCarthy or uh, Mark Murphy turned around, looked at this thing, and said, "You know what? All we have left are the scraps that nobody wants. This team isn't working. Our quarterback is disgruntled. We're not winning. The locker room is lost. We got to blow this thing up big time, big time." And that's when people started getting fired, et cetera, et cetera. So again, it, it's it's kind of interesting how that ties into the history of things. And I never really saw that as sort of the linchpin for things falling apart, but it, it, the, the timeline isn't terrible. And again, and again, I'm not saying that was 100% the issue, but everything was kind of trending in that direction, right? 2014, 15, 16 weren't terrible years, but it was sort of the, the early glimmers of, we're just not quite getting where we need to. Uh, 2014 was great, right? 2015 was Aaron Rodgers' first kind of like, what the heck is wrong with this guy year? 2016, again, we're, we're at 10 and 6, which is fine. And we got to the playoffs and lost, which is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years in a row we went to the playoffs. And that was when Mike is like, well, we got to make a change. And that's once he made that change, everything fell apart. And again, it was partly because Clemens probably did help the team uh, more than was expected, but also the guys that came in weren't great and just losing the locker room in general, just losing complete confidence, probably lost confidence in Mike McCarthy and et cetera, et cetera. So my personal thought before we kind of get back into this is, uh, well, no, let's, let's, let's continue on. James says two reasons behind this move. Number one, he elevated Rodgers to the quarterback he is, hoping Tom can do it with love. Two, Kyler Murray was his quarterback in Arizona trading for Kyler. I love the second one because it's an angle that is kind of brilliant, and I wish I had thought of it because I was, I was going to blast this out there, but I'm like, you know, I can't just steal James's thunder here. But that is such a perfect conspiracy theory, that the number two there, because there's already been talks about that. Kyler, remember, he wiped his whole Instagram. He's not following the Cardinals anymore, which is a pretty normal practice, but people are going to freak, about, freak out about it anyways, especially for a young guy that really wants his contract. But it's such a perfect thing because there were talks about that, and even some Packer fans like, oh, maybe we'll go get Kyler, maybe we'll trade, blah, blah, blah. This, this, is, this adds to that, which is just fantastic, right? If you're planning to trade for Kyler, go get his old quarterback coach as a way to lure him in. I don't think that's real. I just, I think it's a funny angle and it's a great way to, to approach it. Um, as far as uh, one of the most common things is this has nothing to do with Rogers. It has to do with love. I'm really not buying it. I, I just, I mean, listen, maybe as Packer fans, we have sort of rose colored glasses on in terms of Tom Clements, basically just being the most elite quarterback coach. And maybe he is, maybe he is. But the idea that we have to drag him out of retirement and make him our quarterback coach to elevate Jordan Love and the fact that Aaron Rodgers really, really loves this guy and is still bitter about the fact that he was ever fired, 
And we know for a fact that Aaron Rodgers, given the opportunity, would bring him back just because, same as Randall Cobb, he didn't like that. He didn't like that he left. He didn't like the way that he left, felt he shouldn't have left, and he wants to bring his friends back. That all is just a coincidence. This is really just about, we want a guy that can develop love. Now, again, you're not going to bring in a quarterback coach that you don't think can develop love. But the question is, is this the best absolute hire? Completely, in other words, if Aaron Rodgers wasn't on this team, this would still be their hire. And again, his connection to the Green Bay Packers is a complete coincidence. I just don't think that's, that's real. And then finally, the, the most out there conspiracy theory, which I, again, completely appreciate, comes from Drew. He says, okay, so Tom is from uh, McKee's Rocks, Pennsylvania, home of Billy Mays from OxyClean. Billy Mays died on June 28th, which also happens to be John Elway's birthday. Rogers to the Broncos confirmed, per sources, of course. That's pretty good, man. That's, that's pretty good. Look, I, I, I think that this is a sign, uh, and this, this could mean a lot of different things. And again, I, I refuse to believe because I just I don't like the simplicity of it that this is just to lure Rogers back. That doesn't make sense. There's no way they're going to bring a guy back because maybe. Again, same thing with the Broncos and their offensive coordinator. You're not going to hire a guy that you don't think is the best offensive coordinator because maybe he can lure Aaron Rodgers here. That may be a bonus, but that's not the main thing. So number one is, do the Packers like Clements? Do they feel like he can be a good quarterback coach for this team and help develop love and, and do what, whatever other quarterbacks are here? Kirk Benkert can, can do the job. Of course he can. He's a veteran guy. He understands all this stuff. He has a relationship with Rodgers already. So you know that part of it, which is, which is another dynamic. You want to make sure that that relationship is going to be a good relationship, and you know Clements is going to be that guy. But I can't shake the, the thought that this is somewhat of a Randall Cobb situation. You know, the, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are talking. Um, it's possible Aaron Rodgers has sort of made his decision, and we just haven't heard it yet because, again, he wants to announce that on, on one of these Tuesdays with uh, Pat McAfee. I don't know exactly what Tuesday that'll be, presumably the, the next one coming up. But what happened with, with the whole Randall Cobb? I think Aaron Rodgers made his decision that he was going to come back, but he made a contingent on, I want Randall. I want Randall. And Gutekunst did not want Randall Cobb, but that was the concession that they made. I wouldn't be surprised if this is this year's version of, of Randall. They're, they're looking for a quarterback coach. He, um, he offered his two cents. Again, the, these guys are really, really close. Here's an article. Um, this is written by Mike Spofford, February 12th, 2015. Clements Rogers' relationship key to the offense's future. Mike McCarthy confessed it's not easy to give up play calling plays, uh, calling plays on game day. If it weren't for Tom Clements having spent as many years with the Packers MVP quarterback as McCarthy has, the head coach probably wouldn't have made the change. Quote, the relationship between the play caller and Aaron Rodgers is of critical importance. That's a big part of the decision, McCarthy said Thursday in announcing several changes to his coaching staff, a notable one being Clements taking over play calling uh, with the new title associate head coach of the offense. Quote, Aaron has an excellent working relationship with Tom. The fit with Aaron is the highest priority. Clements has been with McCarthy and, uh, by extension, Rodgers for all nine years of McCarthy's tenure, first as quarterback coach in 2006 and then as offensive coordinator in 2012. Clements' relationship with Rodgers goes back to countless offseason hours in McCarthy's, quote, quarterback school before Rodgers became the starting quarterback. It has simply grown from there, with Clements continuing to attend quarterback meetings after being promoted to offensive coordinator. Quote, I think we always got along from the beginning, had similar demeanors, Clements said. I've always said with the quarterbacks, to the large degree, it's a collaboration, especially as a quarterback gets more experience. The collective effort in game planning will extend to the rest of the retooled offensive staff, which now features Edgar Bennett as offensive coordinator, Alex Mann, blah, 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 blah. So I, I wouldn't really be surprised if this was just a sweetener. He knows he can get his one shot in. Aaron Rodgers comes to the team, says, um, look, I'm, I'm, I'm 99% of the way there. I'm ready to come back, but I've, I've, got, I've got one thing that I would like to ask of the team. Okay, what's that? I could see Aaron, or, or Brian Gutekunst just slumping in his chair like, oh no, what are, what are we doing? Is he going to say Jordy Nelson? I'm going to lose my mind. If he says Jeff Janis, I'm going to flip a table. <laughs> and he says, listen, we got a quarterback coach opening, right? I'm the quarterback. That's what you're committing to, right? I would like Tom Clements to be my quarterback coach. And that's, that's a pretty easy yes, because who cares? Again, it's a guy that you know can do the job. It's a guy that you know can get along with Aaron Rodgers and the rest of the staff. I mean, you, you probably want to bring him in and, and talk to him, which they did. And apparently, again, this, this would have taken place a while ago because it would be something where you, you got to call him. And I'm sure Aaron Rodgers may... And that's the, that's the other thing. Again, this is kind of a far-fetched conspiracy theory or whatever you want to call it. But at the same time, somebody had to call Clements and convince him to come out of retirement. And maybe he was kind of teetering as it is, but he decided he wanted to walk away from football Somebody made a call and convinced him to come back. Do you think that's more likely to be Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst, or Aaron Rodgers? So 
In other words, there's a lot of people that assume that the Packers did this to make Aaron Rodgers happy. I think that's close to being true. I just think it might be the other way around. I think Aaron Rodgers said, I would like this to be my quarterback coach. And, and I'm sure there was some collaboration and stuff as, as far as, you know, they're going to hire a guy anyways. So they want to get Aaron Rodgers input. But also they're, they're, they're probably going to be very clear. We're not going to hire your quarterback coach for you until you commit to us. So um, I get the sense that he's committed to the Green Bay Packers. A lot of people, again, a lot of people are looking at this as this is a sign that Aaron Rodgers will come back. I think it's a sign that Aaron Rodgers has come back. It just hasn't been announced yet. That's my thought on it. Again, it's, it's a little bit out there and it's, it's not something that you can 100% sink your teeth into as, as far as, I, in other words, I don't have enough data to really connect those clearly, but it is the, the path that makes the most sense to me. Again, hiring a guy in hopes that Aaron Rodgers is off there somewhere going, ooh, maybe, that'll, maybe I will go back. Doubt it. Saying that this was a completely random hire. They're, they're just going to call a retired guy and be like, hey, would you like to come back? Because you're the best ever. And it's just complete coincidence, his relationship with Aaron Rodgers and all that stuff. That I struggle with. The other one, though, the one that I said, that's the one I'm sticking with. I'm ready to come back. I have one request. I want Tom Clemens. I want him back. He's st- I mean, a- again, he got sent off and he felt he shouldn't have. This is a great coach, a really good friend of mine. He was sent off in a fashion that he should not have been. I want him back. I want my friend back. And he's, he's at a point in his career where, it's, where, where that's a big part of what he wants. If we're going to win or lose or whatever, I, I, I want to do it with my friends. You know, kind of relive the glory days a bit. Plus, it's just a matter of, I don't want some jerk that you're going to hire that I don't know and risk that whole, you know, whatever issue. So I think for everybody, this made sense. But the point is, it doesn't happen if Aaron Rodgers is still going, I don't know, we'll see. So that's where I'm at. I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. Plenty more to talk about. We'll get to some of that tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.